0: This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 516, for July 13th, 2016. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and joining me is Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie.
1: Hi, Glenn. How are you?
0: I, uh, I'm good, but I can't catch... It's not this that I can't catch them all. I can't catch any... But we'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, have no idea what you're referring to. No idea. Um, Let's start quickly with follow-up because uh, we don't always get follow-up. And we we encourage people to send in questions and comments to podcast at macworld.com. Or you can find us on the Twitter or you can post comments at macworld.com on the post that has this blog entry. Let us know what you think. And we got a tiny bit of follow-up Was just We talked about Facebook's paper app last week, which is now uh, being discontinued. And, uh, in fact, it's already, I think, not able to do updates or something. Uh, And um, how much you and Caitlin loved it. And Caitlin was a big enthusiast of it. A couple people chimed in and said, oh, why won't they bring it back? And, um, you know, I think it was a popular sentiment. It's people who use paper loved it, and they're going to be sorry that it's gone. But – don't trust me. P-
1: I already miss it. I still haven't put Facebook on my phone. I'm trying not to. I'm using the web interface, like the mobile interface. It's pretty good. I mean, you know, it's just Facebook. It's not paper. This paper is a bummer. Even when you try to use a uh, messenger on the mobile interface, it like harasses you about like soon huh. you'll have to use the app and only the uh, app.
0: Well, I know there's this philosophy. There are going to be all these different apps for things, and now that's changed. Right now, we're going back to the main app, or I don't even know. I, I keep Facebook uninstalled because of the battery drain thing from a while yeah, ago, and yeah. I'd rather it doesn't have the ability to notify me and access contacts, so I just use it on the web, and my experience is pretty good for what I want.
1: I, you know, I love Instagram, which is a Facebook yeah, app, me too. but that's it, and... The other ones, I mean, I used to, do you remember the app Moves that kept track of just like your movements throughout the day and it would like put them on a cool map. So if you like found a new ride home, if you found a new like way to get home, you could go back and look at it later and it would keep track of like how far you ran and walked and
0: rode in a car. You know, Susie, I ran, I ran so far away. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was a fun app, and then Facebook bought it, and I was like, "Oh, that's the end of that. <laughs> Better un- uninstall it."
0: Oh yeah, this is you know this is the thing in the olden days of just a few years ago, uh, uh, companies would have to they couldn't reach scale super fast, and they would never reach Facebook scale, and that's unique. And they'd have uh, APIs, and they'd have a rich developer infrastructure, and they would push to have other parties integrate web and native apps. Uh, to their system, like that's how Twitter became so popular was third-party apps because the main website and eventually their in-house apps were pretty crummy. And then this, you know, the next wave is, hey, we don't need any of you guys. And then the next wave is, hey, maybe we need you guys back, you developers. <laughs> what Twitter's in its current, like, do we not want them? Do we not want them? Uh, and so the gaps in the market, If if paper – shut down at Facebook, somebody else could start something up like it with an API uh, that people like. So, I mean, I always use third-party Twitter apps. I barely use the main site except for um, when I miss multi-party DMs and things like that that aren't yet supported in clients because Twitter hasn't exposed the API.
1: I can't use polls in the clients. I don't
0: don't really care, but... I don't know. I don't think they know what... you know. If they knew what they're doing, they would be doing things very differently, so...
1: Uh, I'm not well, even a privacy person, you know, like I, died I use tons of Google products. Google could definitely have me killed tomorrow if they wanted to. And I, you know, I use like the discount card at the supermarket and the thing that, you know, lets me go through the tolls without paying and, and all that stuff. Like I don't, I, you know, I'm not like a, a paranoid privacy person, but still something about Facebook is just like a I don't want them on my phone as much as possible.
0: It's how they seem to shade the privacy issue all the time. I don't think there's ever been a case in which I felt, well, no, I shouldn't say this. They're good about security. They've gotten very good about trying to help us as Facebook users uh, exercise more care and also have greater protection against our data being accessed by people who aren't Facebook. Um, but when it comes to them, they don't have the same level of care about, preser- like, like proactively I hate that word I said it anyway um getting reaching out to us and saying hey uh you know here's something that's going to change and if you want to do it let's opt in instead they're always pushing back pushing back pushing back and they, they don't need to uh they shouldn't seem that desperate because it pushes people away but so far well speaking of giving up our privacy um I set that one up for you. I, I thought was like, I, I'm gonna lob him a softball right that here. Out of the park. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Pokemon, 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 go, 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 go. Uh, so we just lost ninety percent of people listening to the podcast who are not. Well, I don't know. I'm I don't know our demographics. Maybe everyone listening is a Pokemon, a former or current Pokemon fan. I never got into Pokemon. It was spoiler. Just,
1: we're not into it either. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just I was too. I think. Well, you know, you and I are not that far apart in age. I missed the Pokemon, uh, mm-hmm. the first wave, and then I missed the. Pokemon, second. Are we in the third wave now? I don't know. My kids did it. I don't know. I think there's like a. I mean, I don't think it ever went away. But the first big wave, I was too old for it. My coworkers
1: who are a few years younger than me, they're like seven, eight years younger than me. They they went through the first one when they were kids. And I mean, there's been like Nintendo games the whole time. Like Flo plays plays, I think a lot of Pokemon. I think she has like a 3ds. Um, but yeah, so now you can play in the real world. It's a a augmented reality game. It's made by Niantic, which used to be an in-house Google little startup studio thing. And they made a similar augmented reality game called Ingress, which was like, it was kind of like, pokemon go you had two factions you could join one side or the other and then you moved around in the real world and you saw you know an overlay of over the real world on your phone and you would battle to um capture these you know different points around your city and then you for for your faction and so it was kind of like that so the pokemon go is is a little bit similar to ingress and actually we even put up a tip article um Uh, one of our writers figured out that uh, there's an official Ingress Live web map that's still alive because that game is still going on. And you know what? There's a lot of overlap between <laughs> active uh, Pokemon areas and, and ingress sites. So so you could check that out if, if you are playing Pokemon Go. But so you're walking around the world and you're on one side and you're trying to um, battle down these locations and capture them. And then you put your Pokemon there and you've kind of uh, you, you've owned that spot. So it's a little four square-ish, but augmented reality and good fun. And I mean, I'm not playing right now I have a lot of stuff going on but I've heard from like I mean even coworkers like our our guy Jason Cross over at Greenbot is playing and he went out Last night they went to like, you know, a mall near their house, like one of those outdoor malls. And there were like 50 people there playing Pokemon and it's stretched across age groups and genders and, you know, different races and everyone's playing and they're like talking to each other and like high-fiving and saying like, where they caught this (laughs) Pokemon or that Pokemon. And yeah, so it's like, it's a really weird, bizarre little phenomenon. It's less than a week old. So if you still have no idea like what is going on, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, but then there was a little security kerfluffle that, that, uh, popped up, I think on Friday and you wrote about that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I should point out too, that if this sounds so before we get to the security part, there's this funny thing, which is, uh, if you haven't played the game or don't know, well, I think, I mean, even if you know what Pokemon is, if you haven't played the game, this all sounds like we're, we've just, you know. We're out of our minds, right? Um, we're just like, what is Susie t- in the what the They're real like world? They're like and-
1: monsters, and you c- gotta catch them all. Well,
0: yeah, but the the thing that I think is is sort of funny about it is that um, there's been a lot of pokey pushback because uh, because it's mapped to the real world. So there's people whose houses, so there's Pokemon gyms, which I don't quite get what the gym thing is. is that where you like train your Pokemon, right? You go to a gym. To train I don't them. really know. Something, yeah, something like, like that. that. All right, so yeah. now we sound, you know, I sound like my grandpa. It's great. And uh, you got a series Pokemon. of tubes. You got to take a Pokemon. You put it in the Pokemon gym. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so there's gym, there's stops, which are places you go like landmarks. So I have one. There's a bus stop that no longer exists about a block from my house. And it's got, you bring up the, um, Without even going into real world, you can see it'll show you like a picture of the location, and it shows something that no longer exists, which cracks me up. So there's like yeah, mod- there was a
1: tweet some guy who like lives in an old church, but now it's his house, right, and it gym. became like a Pokemon gym, and yeah. he's just like, oh boy. So, so people you get you to go
0: there. So the Pokestops you just kind of go by and you interact there briefly, but the gyms you go and I think you spend some time. So people were like pulling up at two a.m. and parking across the street. And there's like a park across the street from, but his house was a church. So, um, but the thing is this looks like an invasion. This literally looks like people's minds were taken over and they're being directed by some other intelligence. And in the middle of this, anybody who's a star Trek next generation fan will remember the episode of the game, which featured a very young, uh, uh, actress Ashley Judd at the time opposite Will Wheaton as his love interest unfortunately not a recurring character in the show after that and they become addicted to this game that takes <laughs> over their mind. Ashley was minds. not a recurring character. I know Ashley was Will that. Wheaton I'm sorry yes. great. they had a great chemistry there so um, but she's a young uh, you know cadet and uh, that's
1: adorable I'm going to go watch it I'm oh, yeah, going to find the Netflix to put it in it's the show. great
0: notes. episode so they're playing this game that sort of it's not exactly augmented reality but it kind of takes over your mind and it is in fact an alien plot that takes over everyone on the Enterprise so Will Wheaton yesterday po- tweets look i tried to warn you back in 1991 <laughs> this was happening you refused to listen to me and there's no you know brent, brent spider better be here to save you now play data okay so um that said so the security thing is not that it's a mind hijack uh but the issue was i mean there's two different kinds of like there's a privacy issue and there's a security issue so the security one is a fellow who works at an analytics firm on his personal blog said i'm a little confused here i installed this in iOS." And I look at and it makes me you know uh, the the Pokemon uh, trainer club is how you set up an account if you want to use a Niantic account with it Um, and uh, the account system was down because they've had uh, they apparently have more users than Twitter registering something like that or playing like well, so the growth curve has been unbelievable uh, because it's free to play, and then you buy in-app uh, coins in order to you know jiggle puff things or something. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> you, you 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 Charmander your coins to make a jiggle puff, probably. Um, just
1: that's way more than I know. That's I the funny know. part. I like I'm laughing at how like
0: little we know about that. I, ha- I used to watch the Pokemon show, so I know a little bit about that. I have children. Nice. Uh, so anyhow, here's the thing. So the security guy says, so, "I'm sorry, I'm calling you Mr. Security Guy." He uh. Hes you log in via uh, you can log in via Google account. And usually, when you authenticate via Google with uh, some of their service, just like with Twitter, or Facebook, it says, "Hey, here's the permissions you're giving yeah, to the service." you pop up. Yeah, it's like, it
1: says, "I want to look at your calendar
0: right. and maybe your photos," and you're like, mm, "Okay." I want allow this, right? And so in this case, you log. It has a Google login screen. Oh, I found it. You, Season five, episode six. Yeah, you log <laughs> exactly. There you go. TNG. It's probably on some streaming service until it's uh, on Hulu. Yeah. Is it? Oh yeah. yeah see, because yeah, uh, no. Star Trek's moving to CBS because of the new series, you'll have to have a CBS subscription unless you want to buy digital downloads. You won't be able to stream it anymore, uh, except in certain places. Uh, Hulu is part-owned by CBS. That's our sidebar. Um, sorry. Sorry, sorry. It's part <laughs> of that, the balkanization of video streaming. So here's the thing. Uh, you log in. You get the Google login inside of this Pokemon Go app. And... Uh, you put in your password. In my case, I have two factor. It says, you know, you can validate now through uh, Google Apps. We'll let you validate your second factor instead of having to punch in a code, which is great. I do that, and then I'm logged in. I'm like, okay, didn't ask me anything. And he goes and checks. And you go to uh, your Google Google account, and there's a place that says Show Connected Apps and
1: Yeah, there's sites, a list so you can see and you can revoke them all if you
0: haven't used that one in years. Which is great. You should go through, and it's actually a good hygiene thing is revoke apps on Twitter and uh, Facebook and elsewhere over time because it's very satisfying. Some sites will like go out of business or shut down or get taken over and you you know authenticated them four years ago. And then some malicious party can suddenly tweet as you or something. So he goes there and it says full access. He's like, what is full access? And Google's documentation seems to say that, you know, you've given Google, you've given a uh, Pokemon go, uh, access to like everything in your account. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, it's not well-defined, but it seems to mean like everything, like email and contacts and account information. So he writes a post about this. Like I can't find out more information. Everybody starts writing about it. I contact, you know, I write something for Mac where I contact Niantic, uh, Nintendo, which is we'll talk in a minute, is not directly connected in some ways, and uh, Google. I Haven't heard back from Google. From what I can tell, Google still hasn't provided a public statement. Niantic said, uh, "Look, this was an error. We didn't actually mean to do this. We're going to, you know, work with Google. They're going to back it off. So the permissions will go to basic account information, which only allows." a third party get access to i think it's a google user id email and maybe like one other thing and it's just used essentially for basic authentication mm-hmm. and so they said we made a mistake and this uh, another programmer uh, fellows at slack went through and analyzed the actual google login call from pokemon go and said they're using a legacy api call it's out of date and you know they've been a google company so instead of doing basic account information it all, it did full access but he says and he's still unable to confirm this because documentation is poor. We're unable to confirm this because Google hasn't gotten back to us or any media when we're taping this, that full access is actually meaningless. That full access only gives you to – like there's a list of account information you have access to, but you can't, say, send and receive email, which would let you then hijack other sites, other accounts at other sites Um so if you're an attacker and you know someone's uh, – you have access to someone's Gmail address, you could conceivably go to other sites and test that address, have it send a, a password reminder or, or a password reset to the Gmail address, then use that email to take over an account at LinkedIn or Amazon or something like that. So that's the danger of email. And there's you know, impersonation and, and fraud. Um, so ostensibly, this isn't as bad as it seemed, but it's like this um, – What do you call it? I can't use the word on the air. It's a a combination of factors that lead to a foobar situation. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's that Google's documentation makes it seem like full access is giving away the keys to the castle. The way they describe it, it's not in full detail. And Niantic didn't intend to and didn't use the information. And then it's clear that from the way they set it up, they didn't intend to, and they're going to fix it. And Google is going to downgrade all of that full access for all Niantic improved um, connections to just basic information. This is good. But so if Niantic hadn't made the mistake or Google had good documentation, we'd be cool. Or if they deprecated this old API call, it would all have been less confusing because it wouldn't have worked and they would have had to use the proper call. So it's not exactly Tempest and teapot. I'm glad people got upset about it because it seemed like not that Niantic was trying to do something shifty, but more like they were being incredibly careless and, um, and in the in the end, even if it's no big deal, it certainly seemed like one. And I'm glad people got mad about it and said, mm-hmm. "I don't want it." You know, you didn't tell me you're doing this. There was no disclosure. And what have I given away? So that's the one side. But Susie, the other side is, <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, everyone would have played anyway. The, the privacy but issue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like a lot of people would have played anyway. But like you said, they just you want to know what your like the trade offs are. Like you want to know what permissions it gets. And then when you find out, you know, that it kind of got full permission without telling you, like, you know, you're right to feel that something fishy might be going on. Like these are good instincts and you should listen to this. It's the the same thing, you know, when like something's creeping you out, it's probably for a reason. So, but yeah, it does seem like in this case, you know, it's okay, but we need to, you know, we need to pay attention to this stuff and demand that, you know, the makers of apps and services that we use are paying attention to security and using best practices. And it seems like in this case, you know, the system kind of worked. Like uh, people noticed and they made a big deal of it. And the story got big enough that, um, you know, it's it's being swiftly
0: fixed. Here's the flip side, though, is that the privacy issues are only barely being discussed, which is that you're giving... Niantic, which is uh I'll let me explain the corporate relationship in a second, but you're giving Niantic access to your location. Uh yeah. you're giving them massive amounts of behavioral and location data. And um the one uh source I read suggested that Ingress was actually developed and funded by Google. Uh you know, it was a game division that didn't have to turn a profit inside of Google that, you know, which became Alphabet because it was a way to do ground truth that you get people to go to locations that were specified in Ingress as being mapping information that Google was collecting yeah. and basically be able to verify. And I don't know if people are supposed to capture pictures and ingress and so forth. Yeah, they but
1: wanted more maps of, like, footpaths and stuff. Like, the kind of stuff where Google Street View cars can't get to. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that, a- that stuff still shows up on Google Maps, and I always kind of wondered, you know, how they how they got that that level of detail. But that was a thing. And then they had another app called Field Trip that would try to send you to, like, little undiscovered kind of gems around your town. But it was more of, like, a tourist thing. Like, you could install it and then you walked around and it would buzz. But Yeah, like both of those require... And Pokemon Go also requires, by its very nature, that you know it tracks you all the time, even when the app's in the background, because then like how it works is a field trip will buzz you and it wants to show you a card about a location nearby. Pokemon Go will buzz you and there's a Pokemon or something. So, so yeah, you have to have it on all the time. So they are tracking your location. I guess it's a big battery suck. Um, you know, if you're gonna oh, play, uh, you yeah. might want to get a, an external battery, a couple external batteries, I or it into you know, my office. A, all right, and my office just
0: running. And the battery went down by like twenty percent in a matter of minutes. Yeah, just because uh, I'm inside, so the GPS doesn't work as well. So it tends to there tends to be a power so issue. So it's there. trying
1: really hard. <laughs> yeah, although
0: GPS is passive, but I don't know something something was going. be more cell access as a result. Uh, so here's the other funny thing is I was thinking, well, this is great. So all they have to do is a minor upgrade. It's like you're you're there's a very valuable Pokemon at this warehouse. Go there and you will see you know, a uh, Charmander, and it will hand you a package. Now take that Pokemon to this other address where you'll get another Pokemon. I'm like, then Amazon has its fulfillment operation to solve yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Over at UPS can just buy. I know, it buy. sounds like they're
1: making us all into like drug couriers or something.
0: It is weird though. I mean, it's somebody was saying, uh, you know, oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Don't make, you know, don't make fun of it, which is true. There's people a lot of pushback because of the real world access uh, aspect. People are posting photos of like, look how sad it is that all people do in public places is look at their phone. I'm like, no, they're all doing Pokemon Go.
1: That's Um, what we look like anyway. I mean, like, so (laughs) Roman went out to lunch yesterday and he came back and he just went to this place across the street and he came back and he's like, there's like 12 people in there playing Pokemon. It was crazy. And then I went out like like a few minutes later, expecting to see the same thing, and I definitely saw a few people kind of like walking up the street looking at their phones, but I couldn't tell if they were the normal people walking or I mean, like, I work in Soma, so it's like it's kind of everyone's got a phone, everyone's always looking at it.
0: Alien invasion. This is like the first 25 minutes of like every alien among us You don't need to walk movie. around staring at it. Like it does buzz you, I yeah, guess. But people are looking for for special stuff. But I, don't, I think the funny part is that it's it's like, the you know, there's, yes, yes, it doesn't give you full, it's not uh, taking over your Google account if you use that for, uh, for logging in, but it is sending you to random locations and tracking that you go there.
1: <laughs> so that's not disturbing think at all. Think more about your personal security yeah. than your digital security well we already reports of people being
0: robbed because people were yeah. setting up um, – you can set up uh, uh, lures, I think, or something. Oh, my god! I mean, there's ways you can set up uh, – uh, So It's people only
1: would, a matter of time before those are paid, too, where like a bar can pay to set up a lure at the bar oh, yeah. and have, you know, like, I'm going to pay this much a month and have a super rare Pokemon here. You saw the sign already. There was a, the a cafe
0: or something that said Pokemon Go is for paying customers only.
1: You couldn't. You can't go
0: inside and use your Pokemon Go without actually buying something. You don't
1: have to go inside though. Well,
0: I don't. It depends. Some of the locations. You're right. They they should extend beyond. But in some cases, uh, someone posted this funny little story. It said, "You know, I was at home." And there's a knock at the door, and there's these two kids with cell phones, looking really sheepish, saying, "Excuse me, ma'am. There's a, um, we're playing this game. It's called Pokemon Go, and there's, a, you know, such and such in your backyard." And she said, "Oh, isn't that sweet?" She said, then I slammed the door on them and ran back there yeah. and caught it. <laughs> like, it's that's, like the
1: digital equivalent of I lost my ball in your yard, oh Miss. My God. And it's, it's like, mine oh, now. that's my ball now. That's Get my off ball. my
0: lawn. Um, so the just to be clear about this ownership structure, because uh, some people I know do video game stuff more seriously than I do. Or, talking about this yesterday. So Nintendo is not Pokemon, which I thought, because I don't pay attention to this. Nintendo yeah, I thought
1: Pokemon was like Mario and Yoshi and whatever was like a Nintendo property. No,
0: like Nintendo, either. Co- they co-developed the intellectual property with two other companies. So they there's a company called The Pokemon Company that was founded a number of years ago now. Nintendo is a one-third owner of The Pokemon Company. The Pokemon Company did the licensing to Niantic to give Niantic permission to develop this game. Niantic used to be a Google subsidy. As you mentioned, it was spun off and capitalized in October 2015 with investment from Nintendo, Pokemon, and Google. So mm. there's nothing nepotistic about that at all. So at some level, it's like money is pouring into Niantic, and some you know value of that is then going to you know flow through to these other companies. Nintendo's stock went up. I think uh, like oh yeah over the week it was like worth nine billion dollars more or something. Yeah. You know that's I, I think it's going to be this this game. Hopefully, you know,
1: this will open the floodgates, and Nintendo will be like, "Okay, we'll make Mario make, games. Yeah, we'll exactly. make, you know, Super Smash Brothers well, for iOS. I'll like, find yeah." Third
0: parties to do it because their thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is another company that took a infrastructure they'd already tested and worked out essentially subsidized as part of Google, they're able to take that and then deploy it, although they're even having scaling problems even with uh, the resources. Well,
1: and good for Nintendo for not just doing like, okay, we'll do like, you know, Dr. Mario for iOS and make it, you know, something so kind of obvious and like still, you know, D-pad controlled. Like this is this is totally different. It's not, you know, a, we're going to take a console like arcade kind of experience and put it on a, on a touch screen. Like this is... It, this game could only exist, you know, on a mobile device, like a smartphone. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they did a good job there. I mean, you know, it wasn't like an invented thing. Niantic had already made this, so they just kind of skinned it a little bit and changed it. So it's Pokemon, but everyone who loves Pokemon is having a blast and people who have not been into Pokemon before, like here's a good chance to jump in. Uh, if you want something fun to do with your kids or with your neighbors or I don't know, but be careful out there. Like seriously, like, use common sense i've seen some you know kind of bum bummer think pieces that you know they're 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 not bummers because it's like oh you you shouldn't have written that but some things saying like look there's a you got to keep your, you know, your privilege kind of in check because if I have white skin and I'm walking around a neighborhood like with my friends looking for Pokemon, like people might just be like, oh, that's silly. But if me and my friends all have dark skin and we do the same thing, like people might treat us suspiciously. So, so just, you know, be good to each other and have fun out there, but be careful.
0: It's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. And this, the flip side is people might actually venture into neighborhoods they're unfamiliar with that have crime problems, uh, whatever their skin color, ethnicity, and they wander in there because they're like, there's a Pokemon there. It's like, yes, there are also people with knives there. So perhaps <laughs> you shouldn't be going into the Tenderloin at night uh, or parts of the Bowery. Uh, and, um and so
1: yeah, I wouldn't go places I just had no idea, like, what was going to be there, you know what I mean? Like, you got to kind of do your homework before little, yeah. you just go so. uh, depending on where you live, who and, I, you
0: know, whatever. Yeah, Niantic might consider also not, like, uh, having things go live at, like, 2 a.m. Like, someone I know in Boston was, like uh, – it was up late and they're like, is it wrong of me? It's 2 a.m. and such and such just happened in the game for me to want to go out to, like, this dangerous part of town to do this <laughs> thing. It's like, yes, yes, it is, but shouldn't <laughs> Niantic, Niantic know the local time zones they might be able to – control that um well so that's that is pokemon go uh this is also the week of malware last week where there were um two different kinds of os 10 malware were discovered although both of them were sort of ineffectual but uh could potentially have been dangerous and it's so rare i don't want to say rare but it's it's not it's not a common thing i mean there's regularly incidents of um security researchers finding problems often without exploits in the wild here are two uh two attacks that both rely on naivete um, but they are both ostensibly you know effective ways for someone to take over um, take over a mac uh one is this thing called backdoor.mac.Elinor, um, which is a, a trojan horse and it doesn't do anything um, but it will um it, once you uh once you uh, receive it. They don't know the distribution vector. You have to double click it and then you have to double click a file inside it. So you have to like unzip it and open a file. Um, the other, uh, the other one is called, um, OS 10 key dnap. nap. So like kidnap, It's cute. Um, which is another thing that once, when you get it, you have to, uh, again, open it to install it. So it's, um, I wrote a column about this just to reiterate to people that you should not, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm making a mistake. The the, the OS 10 kidnap is delivered as a zip file. No one knows how it's being distributed. The backdoor.mac.eleanor has been found on major Mac uh, download sites. Now, I've said in the past, don't download software in 2016 from any site but that of the developer that made it because there's no way to trust it anymore between adware that gets bundled with other people's software, which all the major download sites do. So you use an installer and it tries to install Mackeeper or some kind of toolbar or whatever. And in some cases now malware can be found with cause they don't necessarily vet everything that's uploaded or if they do, they may not catch new vectors. Um, and the other is when you launch the software, you have to use the uh, uh, OS 10 gatekeeper bypass, uh, which is, um, I don't know, have you ever had to install software on a regular basis where you run it, it says this is from an untrusted or unidentified developer. That yep.
1: Happen? Sometimes. I mean not a lot, not but, common, um, right? but every once in a while. And then you have to like right click and say open. And I might even have it set to just Mac App Store, just so I have to do that every time. Let me it's see.
0: Not, it's not a bad thing. Cause then you do it if you set right skatekeeper in uh, the security and privacy. System preference pane will say, uh, you know, Mac App Store only, Mac App Store, and identified developers. Yeah, that's what I got. Mac App Store
1: and identified developers. Or
0: everything, yeah. And so, if you're an identified developer, it means you're in the developer program. You've got a certificate. You've used Xcode to sign your app, and then even though it's not being distributed by Apple, it's still gone through a process where you've been vetted at least slightly, and Apple can revoke the certificate. Uh, So that's sort of the safest level. Well, I'm sorry, Mac App Store is maybe the safest level, arguably, but. Trusted developers are, that's fine. There's been very few cases of real problems with that, of any exploit, but apps that are unsigned that are from an unidentified developer, you have to go this extra step. And macOS Sierra is removing that option from the gatekeeper control p- uh, panel place uh, The uh, where you choose which kinds of apps can open. So you'll only be able to choose Mac App Store only or Mac App Store plus identified developers. You'll still be able to individually open and run apps that are not signed. Um, But I I think it's good because I think it helps protect naive users because they have to go through extra steps. They can't just say, I'm tired of getting this dialog box. I'm going to set it to run everything. They will have to, each time they see something, it can't run without asking them to go through an extra hoop. And that may cause them to stand back and go, ooh, maybe I shouldn't do this. So um, people were worried that Apple was going to remove the ability to run any apps that were in the Mac app store. And I think we've seen signs from Apple with Sierra particularly, especially, uh, you know, you saw how um, in the uh, WWDC, they're pushing some entitlements out from uh Mac app store. So you can use, you can use iCloud now without being in the Mac app store. Ah, yes. And that to me shows a commitment to independently distributed third party Mac apps, because otherwise why would they do that? They could be, you know, restricting things further. So uh, I, and I write these columns. Sometimes I'm always like, there's a difference between the columns written for you, dear listener who is informed and up to date and listening to a podcast about Mac and iOS. So you're probably very interested. And then all the people you know that you provide some tech support or help to ask you questions. This is the kind of thing where you're like, all right, am I going to help, you know, Uncle Joe or, you know, niece, Annie or something? And it's going to be. Hey, make sure that they're they're aware of uh, the fact they shouldn't be running unknown apps unless there's a very specific reason and they know the source. Um, I have a friend who's in the library sciences world and she says a lot of apps in that world um, are not signed because uh, the developers are not that high key. They're not like doing development all the time. They may know just enough to release a Mac app that's barely functional, but it does something really critical and they're not going to go through the hoops to be an app developer and um, and uh, sign it and just, you know, update distributions and things. Uh, and those apps are very useful and they're often free. So in that world, they may, you know, there's different worlds. You're going to see a lot of that. Although I think because of the rise of malware, you may see more of those kinds of developers going, all right, I'm just going to, you know, pay the $100 a year and deal with this, even, you know, ask people to give me some minor donations to cover my cost and time uh, just so that they don't run into this problem where they are distributing an app no one can run. So malware. Um, that's the latest there. So uh, so Susie, the other big news last week was public yes. betas are out for iOS 10 and macOS Sierra. Oh,
1: yeah, kind of a big deal. Yep, iOS 10 and uh, macOS Sierra, which were both in developer beta since WWDC, are now in public beta and anyone can sign up. Um, Apple recommends that you don't put these on your primary device. I mean, that's what they tell developers, like, put these on your devices that you use for development. Because, you know, you're going to run into bugs. It's going to be harder on your battery than, you know, a shipping OS would. um, And you're going to run into bugs. Um, There's a feedback assistant that comes with them, and you're encouraged to submit lots and lots of bug reports um, when I put the public beta on an iOS device, um, the feedback assistant still had my reports in it from the iOS nine public beta. So, um, and that doesn't mean that they didn't read them or they didn't care about them. Like someone on Twitter was like, it still has my reports from last time and I still see these bugs. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, they're only human, but they're trying to get as many, um, bugs as they can. And that will, uh, you know, eventually make the the shipping release, sh- you know, should help it make make it better for everybody. So even if you don't participate, um, so yeah. But uh, the developer beta of iOS ten has been pretty stable. I have a couple of apps that won't run at all, um, uh, like third party apps. But most of them have been fine. Um, the battery life has only been an issue if I'm doing a lot of navigation. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to roll the dice and put it on your, <laughs> on your public phone, you could, it's, it, I've, I have it on my regular phone cause I'm also running watchOS three. So I had to put iOS 10 on the iPhone that I sync my watch to. So I just went all in and it's been, it's been okay.
0: Yeah. I've got iOS 10. I had the developer betas running and I installed, I'm assuming I'm probably wrong. I haven't checked the build numbers, but that the second. Yeah. Isn't that right? The second dev, dev second almost positive, yeah, yeah. The same as the public, yeah. So I installed. I've had. I ran the first and second um, developer betas of of iOS 10 on. Gosh, on three devices of different vintages, an iPhone 5, a iPad Pro 9.7 inch model, and an iPad 4. And it's I had essentially zero problems. And then I installed macOS Sierra. I was more cagey, and I put it on an external SSD that I boot my MacBook from, uh, so I don't have to convert over in case some software doesn't run that I use. And it's been uh, pretty stable. I think uh, the first developer uh, macOS beta was not as good as the second. I think there were a few like ticks and problems, uh, especially testing photos. I noticed there were um, things worked better in photos in the second beta, so they must have worked some things out but so we've got you know we read a, tons of articles about this um things like well, what features should people try or whether it's worthwhile but you know we've also taken the uh, same stance i think that you're sort of in which is um both uh caitlin McGarry and dan morin have written about um you know dan wrote about who benefits from apple's public betas but caitlin wrote about you know just take going and installing that ios n beta like boom put it in so you can use it um, what's your what's your take on general on the? I mean, you said roll the dice, but so the general public should they install beta public betas?
1: Um, the general public, like just you know anybody, probably not. I you know because like things are going to be a little buggy, and people get annoyed when their stuff doesn't work, and it is very different. Um, but if you're you know you're you're listening to a um, the MacWorld podcast right now, so you're not. Probably not the general public. You're probably kind of a nerd, and um, you know, just I'm telling you, nerd to nerd, that for a beta, like it's pretty good. Um, The new lock screen stuff has been really fun. Sometimes when I so the lock screen, you can swipe or you swipe to the right and see your widgets on the left there, or you can swipe to the left and see your camera on the right. The first developer beta, that camera was kind of wonky. Like sometimes it would only show up in like half of the screen and be turned, and but then if I open the camera, you know, the regular way, it would be fine. So, there've been like little things like that and none of it's kept me from using it. When you fill out the the bug report and the feedback thing, it says like, "Is this kept you from using iOS 10?" and and there's all these things and I'm always like, "No, I like iOS." <laughs> so, yeah, but the new lock screen widgets are really cool um and then messages is really fun if you have other friends running iOS 10, um you can, you know, send them those things and but um, regular people can definitely wait until the fall. I, I know a lot of people don't even, they even wait until like, you know, 10.0.1 or something um, just to make sure that that first round of of installs is kind of over the hump and anything weird has been found already. So it just kind of depends on where your comfort level is. And I think people people sort of know that already, but, um, but the, these are pretty stable betas. Um, you know, at, at you have to back up. Like so, there's there's kind of some hassle involved because you got to keep really good backups of everything. Every time a new beta comes out, you got to keep really good backups. So you have like one from iOS nine. You got to archive that, and you got to keep incremental betas of you know your iOS ten device because when the new you know when when it crashes, you could kind of go either way, if you know if it crashes. But. Um, yeah, so there's there's kind of some chores. Um the nice thing is when when the final version comes out in the fall, it's usually in September. It's usually like the week before the iPhone comes out. So like the first week of September around, roughly. Um, the new iOS and, and Mac OS will come out. You'll be able to upgrade right from the betas. Oh, you thank won't goodness. have to like, yeah, you don't have to roll it back and restore it and then upgrade and and then try to put all your data back on. Like it'll just be it'll just be an upgrade. Upgrade. I got more questions that. And like the beta program that. was fun this year, just how how it upgrades over the air. You install a little config profile, and it's just like do do do.
0: I have not done the public betas. Does that work with the public betas too? I think so. You yeah. You don't download it. You don't have to download. Oh yeah, because you don't do download and do an iTunes doohickey for. Because uh, that's what I did with the developer beta. Yeah, the beta, developer
1: beta was like here, download it and like email it to yourself. And the public beta is a little smoother than that. Like you Great. just visit, you visit a page on your iPhone, and it will download it and install it from there. So I think it's that's super um, seamless. It's
0: much nicer. I mean, that right, anything that gets you out of the iTunes ecosystem for doing something is
1: Yeah, is the good developer betas used to be you had to find, you know, that one file for your specific device <sighs> and then download it's, it and then restore your phone. And it was,
0: it was you know. They still have those for the developers. I saw that, yeah, but that's, yeah, uh, that's still a different issue. If you
1: want um, to do that. But, yeah, the, but the, the I did the profile because I think that's the,
0: yeah, it's a very nice way to, uh, to avoid it, especially, you know, because I've got gigabit internet, Susie.
1: Yeah, and then if you want to get out, I know, I know. And then if you want to get out, you can just, like, the 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 method includes, you know, just deleting that profile and then, you know, restore, doing software update and restoring to the old software. So they've made it pretty seamless, but that you still have to back up and you still have to just keep in mind that you are running a beta and things might be weird.
0: Yeah, hopefully it'll make it easier when people who don't want to participate if they do incremental um, betas. So I had a lot of people who signed up for... I want to say uh, I forget. Did they start doing that with Yosemite or El Capitan? I think it was Yosemite, right? The public betas. Mm-hmm. So they uh, people had signed up for the Mac public beta program, and then they got incremental release updates. They're like, yeah. "Get me off this!" So yeah. this is the trick. And I've, I'm going to tell people again, in case you didn't know, I forget this. There is an App Store uh, preference pane. So there is the App Store app. Where you can go in and it has some preferences, but then the app store preference pane is where you control automatic app updates and so forth. And one of the options is to uh, exit the public beta. And there's a there's a sequence you can do. Um for the Mac,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, for
0: the I'm sorry, this is a Mac OS only. And um yeah. that's it's not really a hidden thing, but I was there's a people are asking about it before. I'm like, oh yeah, you have to go to this thing you never change typically uh, the app store system preference pane and some people said i'm in the beta program i can see a beta release on my machine it's telling me to install a new beta release and it doesn't show me enrolled in the beta program in the app store preference pane so hopefully that will be fixed because some people wanted to get out of being prompted continuously for incremental beta releases before the you know like 10 whatever we're at dot. 11.5 or something was coming out or 4. And they're like, I don't want that. I want the release version of 10.11.4. I That's a the, good point. Yeah, yeah the so, beta
1: program doesn't automatically like eject you when when the um, when the shipping version comes out. Like it'll keep you in and it'll give you betas of the updates. Right, which is a but hassle. But it's easy. It's super easy to get out on the Mac side, and it's it relatively <laughs> easy to get out on the iOS side. Yeah, too. Hopefully that
0: will work. That will work better. Uh, so a lot of things to test. To people in macOS uh, testing testing macOS Sierra, I wrote a long story for themacworld.com about uh, about. Uh, photos because there's so much iOS 10 and macOS Sierra now have um, the photos apps are much more um, in sync with each other. So uh, they were definitely slightly different in El Capitan and uh, iOS nine. And um, I know the biggest feature has been discussed is faces. Uh, I'm still trying to get a little clarity on faces, which is, um, It looks like, so let's say I have four different machines I use. I've got an iPad, I've got an iPhone. I've got a Mac desktop I use for my daily work. I've got a Mac laptop. I sync these all with iCloud photo library. From what I can tell, and I have not been able to find a specific statement from Apple, and I've queried them. They may not talk about it till it's actually released. I don't think once facial recognition is recognized that it syncs in any way, even in some secret encrypted way, between my devices so i think hmm. every and i might be wrong i hope i am but it means if i have two different macs say or i mean any you know this whole combination i can't identify a face on one mac and have that identified on another and nor will that doesn't seem right i know so some things i'm assuming there will be because um it you could don't, be a beta thing yeah. it could be although i can't find anything that talks about the privacy issue there because there's a privacy issue of sharing facial recognition information obviously through like iCloud, so I can if I use iCloud Photo Library. And they talk
1: about that stuff being on device, on device, right? On device. If,
0: so iCloud Photo Library. If I go to iCloud.com, someone gets my credentials and my second factor. They could log in and see all my photos. But ostensibly, facial recognition that might be something you don't want to have shared there. But iCloud Keychain is a great example. iCloud Keychain is not available through iCloud.com. Apple uses iCloud to sync cryptographically protected information between your various devices that are signed with keys that are possessed on your various devices. So you can actually exchange and sync your keychain information without Apple having any ability to access it directly, nor a third party to grab it on iCloud.com, even with your account information. So I'm wondering if they could do something like that with facial recognition where some of the details... Are being synced in a way that don't show up on iCloud.com, which is fine. But faces keychain, yeah, exa- faces keychain, <laughs> yeah, but that'd be fine. So I, don't, so I don't know, but be the thing the is, keychain of faces, it works pretty well. I think it's, I think it's better in some ways than the previous faces. This is now called People. I think it's yeah, the people, people album, right? Um, it's better than earlier faces. Binders full of people. None of your information from iPhoto or photos that for faces gets imported, so it's all from scratch. Um, the interface is a little complicated, uh, but it's pretty good. And then. So, all that time we
1: spent tagging yep. everybody in photos is all just out the window. From what I can tell, it's totally <laughs> wasted. Thank Yay. you. Yay. <laughs> uh,
0: and the question will be whether. You know, that's the thing. Is like, what if my machine crashes? and I have to do restore? Does it bring back the fa- the people information? Oh um, yeah. So we'll see. I don't
1: want to invest a bunch of effort in this. If yeah. It's-
0: so I did some quick characterization. I was showing. I was uh, doing some of the work, and my wife's like, "Are you drawing on your iPad?" I'm like, "No, I'm doing face matching." And she's like, "Oh." And she and my younger son come over, and we were looking through. You can you can um, look through a a, a a listing for a person. So let's say I found my younger son Rex and it has all the photos associated with them. Well, you can tap select to, if you want to pick faces that don't match, or, you can, or, or whatever you want to do, and uh, you can pick one to be the key face that shows up in the album for that person. But so you tap select uh, in this view, and then you can tap show faces, and it zooms the photo to the face that it's recognizing in the photo as that person. Uh, and so we're just scanning through it, and we're laughing, and we're doing the, uh, the memory, oh my God, the, um, the um, memories videos, have you created any of those? no yes oh my goodness are they sometimes they're dead on and sometimes they're just like they're showing the first one is blurry and then it pans to like a picture of a road sign and then it's it's like it is the most it can be really random i'm like this is what a computer thinks about our lives this is how an artificial intelligence assembles the key moments but uh yeah. I don't know. I assume that's going to get better. It, it it can be pretty good. There are a few, we ran movies for a bunch of people who had marked faces on. I looked at some of the um, moments when I came down over a year ago to San Francisco and we all had tacos and things. Um, I, that it automatically organized, uh, photos organized that into a memory. And when I play it, it's actually pretty good. It kind of showed what I did in San Francisco and the area for a couple days. And I was like, oh, that's not bad. And then another one is like, it's a picture of a bug on the ground and then a blurry photo. <laughs> and then like, I don't know, a piece of popcorn and then like a, the sky of like, all right. I don't know what you're thinking, but, uh,
1: but it's, it's fun to play around with.
0: But the, uh, I think the object recognition mine is
1: weird. Like I just oh, yeah. went on a couple of vacations. So I was in like locations, like doing stuff and taking cute pictures of my niece and nephew. And then, yeah, I would find like, it would put in like, you know, a screenshot and something <laughs> else, or it would put in like some stuff from like a couple of days before it would be like, oh yeah. And then before like you walked home and then here's some
0: pictures from that.
1: So, yeah, I don't know. You can't mess around with them
0: much on the – the Sierra version is not as malleable as an an iOS 10. You actually can edit aspects of it. I don't think you can reject photos, but you can create a short, medium, or long movie. You can change the font. And um, the thing I'm confused about is I would think that Apple would want user training so that you would go in and say, no, that's not exactly good. or You would mark frames that were bad, and it would create a better movie and then use that and somehow upload – some of that information anonymized uh, to improve. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do that. That's, that's uh, unknown. I mean, at some level, I want them to get better at certain things by letting me mark stuff that's good or bad, but they're heavily emphasizing the privacy aspect of this, which is good. Um, the object recognition one is pretty awesome, though. And that, I think, faces is great because and it's something we've used before. Object, Apple hasn't done that before. And Google has. Google Photos is very good at it. But I typed in, I looked for, um, there's, I've linked in my article, uh, someone went and uh, extracted what words are in photos that uh, ostensibly can be recognized. And it's a list of, like, 4,300 words. And I tested some of them. I don't know if very many matches, but, like, I punched in nightfall, and it picked, it. you know, 60 perfect images that are absolutely sunsets and nightfall. And I'm like, this is great. Or citrus fruit. And it got, it got an apple in there too, but it got mostly, um, citrus. And, uh, I think that's actually in some ways more useful. It does better matching on dates. So you could type in June 25th. It does, um, better. Like it shows uh, neighborhoods and places better. So you can type in something and it will match not just against literal information, like the street address or the city, But it also knows that the stuff's grouped into a neighborhood within a city. Um, So it's a much more sophisticated tool for searching. And uh, I I know it still has a lot of lacunae, but it's getting closer to something that'll be um, as enjoyable and good to use as Google Photos.
1: Yeah, Google Photos uh, still kind of eats its lunch a little bit, but you know, it just got started. It's one's in beta, and while Google's Products are always in beta, so <laughs>
0: um, I have not been testing uh Siri and and uh Sierra. I don't know if you've tested that yet. That's something I mm, want
1: so much. Yeah, I gotta get I'm more into Siri. To, yeah, I so. don't
0: I feel uncomfortable talking to my Mac. Yeah, isn't that funny? I don't mind <laughs> I don't mind holding the phone up to my mouth and doing it, but like like to a computer. phone is a
1: thing you talk to. That's that's always been a thing that you talk to. You talk to it a lot less these days, but it's, that's still a thing you talk to. I don't know. But like, I mean, we, I'm in an open plan office and I was working on some Sierra stuff and I was like, man, I'm going to have to like go, fun, go find a room with a door so I can sit and talk to
0: well, you Sierra. Get a, you get a headset too ostensibly, but that's sort of yeah. you know, like you're talking on the phone, but then it's, I don't know. Got to see how useful it is. I've never been one of those people who use dictation, even though I I think it's gotten so good with Siri and um, iOS that I use it more there, you know, for text messages or notes or things. But I think people who use dictation, this will be just an extension of what they already have been doing.
1: And then when I use it on iOS, it makes me wonder, like, ooh, maybe I should get more into this on the Mac. And then I don't do it, but I should.
0: There's, um, so we have some articles about other features you can try in iOS and in Sierra. You can look for, and um, there's a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of fun things to try. I think uh, you know stickers. We're messing around with those a little bit. I, you know, I keep go- I go back and forth between things that are actually uh, useful and things that demo well. And stickers, to me, I know millions and millions and millions of people use them, but I think it also demos well as a way of showing um, or visual messages. Maybe less so. It's like it's a way of showing that uh there's something new in the iOS as opposed to something that you will use all the time. Like the heartbeat, yeah. the heartbeat feature on the watch is a great demo thing. I imagine one thousandth of one percent of watch users use it regularly. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're no, you're absolutely right. It's not a thing that you would use, but it is a cool demo. Um stickers, I just worry that they they're gonna clutter up the the iMessage app. Ecosystem, like, cause like the iMessage apps. There's gonna be some that are actually really useful. Like they demoed the one where you could have like a shared DoorDash cart, and you could all be working on a DoorDash order together, um, and then. Uh, place in, you know a group order yeah. without having to call everyone and be like, "Here's the menu." Like, text me what you want. Here's the menu. Text me what you want. Like, you just add it to a, a shared cart. That would be great. Um, but then you know that's going to be buried under twelve different sticker apps. So as long as they can keep it really organized, because I mean, there's the sticker things, it's going to be like the fart apps of the <laughs> iMessage ecosystem. There's going to be so many, and some will be good and some will be crappy, but they're all really kind of superfluous. Um, we've had stickers and, and other apps like Facebook has had them and some of them you have to pay for, which is really dumb. Some of them are free cause they're kind of like little advertisements, advertisements. They'll be, you know, branded for, you know, a brand or a movie or something. Um, so so you can get those for free but yeah after you stick a couple in you're like okay here's a Facebook message with a picture of a cat eating a donut
0: Yeah but you know there's hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on stickers right now and so this is going to feed into that it's just you know this is this is the thing that gets me there's um this came out with the I think the the Ghostbusters female Ghostbusters reboot backlash right there's this whole thing about you know sometimes culture isn't for us and I accept that yes. especially as an old Thank guy yeah I accept that So stickers, Nintendo or uh, Pokemon Go um, you know fem- the the new Ghostbusters isn't not intended for everybody but there are people who are just do not like the premise and I think they're I won't say but that's okay that's all right hey, I'm not babies. I'm, right but I'm not going to criticize them for not liking the concept I'll criticize them for ex- telling the world the concept shouldn't exist.
1: So yes. they
0: had their all male Ghostbusters and this is all female and it's like you know it's okay. And no one's
1: going in like to their house to erase their you know VHS tapes of Ghostbusters <laughs> and yet. tape over it with Not this new yet. version. But
0: so I feel like there's a little bit of that with I try to avoid that backlash myself. I will feel it too like when when Pokemon Go when it you know a few days ago I'm like oh my god this is so they're like you know it's not for me. Now, the difference there is it's actually can be invading people's spaces. You're in the mall. You're in a store. You're in a park. Right. And everyone's Pokemon going around you. It's like, all right, but still – as that's long as offensive. they stay off your lawn, though, you're cool with
1: it. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point because, uh, yeah, a lot there. There are some demographics that I'm not a member of that love stickers, and that is, you know, valid. Those people have money to spend and you know messages to stickerfy. So, so yeah, that that that's a good point. But I just hope that this iMessage app store little thing that it's going to have is organized in such a way that, you know, you can find the useful things because some of them are like really practical and then the other ones are, are stickers.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, that's true. And I'm, I'm particularly interested in the payment uh, thing, like the the yeah. ability to use Square and other things to, or Square Cash to pay. Uh, that sounds great to me because without the integration, it's kind of a hassle. If you want to Square Cash someone, it's, you know, you have to know their ID, you have to launch an app or log into a website and blah, blah, blah. It's like anything that integrates... It's better. I'm also very much looking to. After having my third credit card number stolen this year, oh. I swear I'm not shopping at unreliable online stores. I'm go. I I don't shop, in fact, at places that I think are unreliable. I mean, I'm if I don't trust them, I don't give them my credit it's card. It's just
1: a thing these days. Yeah, there's so nothing you can do.
0: Third time I've had a Chase number stolen, an Amex number stolen, and now a uh, Virgin America Comenity number stolen. And all the you know the uh, in each case, the credit card company caught it first, got in touch with me. They didn't prove any of the charges. And they're like, yep, this happens all the time. Don't worry, we'll get your card right away. And these are all enrolled in Apple Pay. And um, the interesting thing is in uh, the case of Amex and – no, see, it hasn't happened yet. In Amex and with my Chase card, the number was pushed to Apple Pay before I received the physical card. So they canceled the old one. And with Amex, like two minutes after I got off the phone – my iPhone lights up and says, your new MX is ready to use and actually swapped it out without me having to re-enroll the community system. Obviously they have, maybe they have more protections that has not gone. So I have no access to that card while I'm waiting for it to, uh while I'm waiting for it to arrive the actual physical card. But um, uh, so I'm waiting for Safari pay uh, or, or I'm sorry, Apple pay in Safari. Uh, I'm hoping companies adopt it like mad And then I will not, if if they adopt it widely enough, then ostensibly I will not use any online site that doesn't use Apple Pay. Because why not, you know? Yeah. Like if I have a choice between two and I'm like, do I want to go through the hassle of having a card number stolen another time? It'll be
1: easier to draw that line on the internet than yeah. it is in the real world. Cause like, you know, if there's one drugstore by your house and it's Walgreens, great. It takes Apple pay. If it's not, you know, then there's not much you can do about it. That, you can't yeah, like exactly. move to a, you know, a new house that's closer to a Walgreens. So, but online, everything's right there. Most of the cards
0: <laughs> theft, I think target aside, I think target and Michaels are a couple that where there was, you know, any, card accepted into store was an issue, but a lot of times it's online stores only as opposed to retail stores that are storing too much credit card information. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I shouldn't say that, I mean, there were some big breaches there, but like Apple Pay is not perfect, but the system isolates me at least one layer away. So there has to be, you know, if criminals are able to do something by stealing cards, I mean, the thing is the merchant doesn't get the number is the whole point. The number isn't really exposed to a merchant in the way that it is with a swipe or dip transaction. And that's- that's good. So that's another advantage. Um, trying to think there's anything else to highlight to people. I like the um iOS 10. Um, I really am enjoying the thing on the devices I have where it says, hey, you should leave now to get to your next appointment.
1: Oh, yeah. That's you have to a put in all the feature. like full address information for yeah. your
0: appointments, but yeah, that is kind of nice. I started doing that. I well, I've been using fantastic. Did you
1: do that in iOS 9? I thought it um, did that already.
0: Oh, maybe it did. I'm not sure. I thought that was I thought it did a better job at like itinerary. Stuff, but maybe it didn't work for me in iOS 9 because uh, I don't remember seeing those messages. It's also, well, it could be a change of behavior. I use uh, Fantastical, and uh, Fantastical, I think, is much easier. It does a good uh, matching job when you type in locations. So I actually drop locations into Fantastical now when I make appointments, and those are stored in the correct iCal calendar format so ios and os 10 can recognize the location too it's not like a proprietary um fantastical feature um that's interesting maybe maybe it did but now it works for me i I don't remember ever seeing the messages before um but yeah so we've got a bunch of articles people looking for more things to try or a reason to to move oh i am adoring the new lock screen and notification system it's so much more attractive and it I, looks like Google
1: Cards, that's why. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, notif-
0: they originally, their original <laughs> but, notifications yeah, were sort of stolen great. from Android too, but there yeah. you
1: go. Know. Um, well, it, I mean, you know, they're a much better looking and whatever. Mm-hmm. They're obviously clearly better than anything on the Android side, but that's why I like them because they look like yep. the Google Now cards. Apple likes quite to, as proactive, but we'll get there.
0: Apple likes to perfect things other people innovate on, sometimes on the software side, more so than hardware, let's say. That's yeah, just baseball. It is. Um, the. Uh, I also, I do like, Uh, press to unlock, Uh, press the home button to unlock. That's great. I like it. You don't like it. No more swipe to unlock.
1: I mean, it's the end of an era. Like that was, that's like almost 10 years old. I thought
0: on larger devices, it's awkward. You know, on an iPhone four or five, fine, or an original iPhone. But once you get a six or a iPad or whatever, it's kind of an awkward operation. You can't do it one handed or you can't do it kind of in a gesture. It's, I think it's great. You press the button and it unlocks With Touch ID, or you then, you know, if you have to unlock with a code, you do it then. But I I like it.
1: I mean, I like swipe to widgets more than swipe to unlock. And I have my Siri app suggestions, like, pretty pretty high up in that list of widgets. So – and those are – I mean, it's pretty good at guessing – I mean, it's not all the time, but it, it gives you, you know, four apps that it thinks you might want to use based on your location and what you've used recently and what you use all the time, like cough, cough, Instagram. So, yeah, if I swipe <laughs> over to that and tap it, that's, you know, I'm, I'm already uh, one step closer to where I want to get.
0: Uh, well, the other thing that um, that's, uh, seems to help there, or sorry, the other thing I don't like this that's swipey, though, that's changed. Control Center, I kind of hate. The new control center? Have you had to oh, use it much?
1: yeah. No, I like it. I oh. like how I can swipe over. I like how there's one screen of it that's just music controls. And then if I swipe over to that screen and then I go back to the app I was using, the next time I call up control center, it goes right to those music controls. So that's kind of nice.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I, I totally agree there was too much to fit in one space, and I'm glad they added things, but I'm not in love with it.
1: They should have just made it editable and let us all kind of tweak it. Because like I, you know, I never use the flashlight. I don't need a button for that. Maybe the but next I would release. love a button and to turn on it. There's like one for the the Bluetooth, but I don't know. Like there I would love a button to turn on um battery saver. There there isn't one of those. So it would be cool if
0: you could kind of customize it. That's what we were hoping for. Yeah, maybe in the next uh the next major release. It's interesting how I mean Apple has made iOS more customizable, I think, than it ever has been now. Yeah, a little bit. You know, that's I mean, because they've been you know they've got a pretty uh, strong. I mean, the fact that you can do stuff with iMessages like stickers and payment, and whatever that iMessage apps. That doesn't seem exactly a customization, but it is because you're breaking, you're bringing in third-party development. Siri being integrated with uh, third parties being allowed to use uh, to connect to Siri for certain things. Um, all this stuff is making iOS like slightly more integrated and open, but not you know to the extent that maybe. We all want it, but moving there.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, last time we got, you know, deep links from Spotlight results into apps, and now, you know, that's being extended kind of to Siri, but with a limited set of apps at first, and then it'll, it'll roll out more gradually. So, yeah, and then Apple's just trying to, it seems like they're trying to make the things we do the most quicker and more convenient um, Android's thing is it's it, it, it's also trying to keep you out of apps unless you really want to get into an app um, you know you can do things from the cards and you can do things with the assistant and um, they're doing these like things now where you can use an app that you don't even have installed um, so, so but that's all you know on the AI side and Apple takes more of a privacy approach so they're just trying to make things more convenient with um, you know these widgets that will refresh in the background so the information that you need if you just you know want to pop into an app to see when the next bus is coming or what your next appointment is you no longer have to open the app fully to do that if you just want to see who emailed you like that those kind of things you don't those glanceable information, maybe they learned a lot from the watch about like just what tidbits of, of info people want right away, and then they don't even need the rest of the app. So, so yeah, that's kind of their approach with iOS ten is they're just trying to make the things you do the most uh, quicker and faster, and just with. But it's it they changed a lot of the gestures, so it's gonna take a little getting used to. Um, and that's one fun thing about the betas, you know, you'll get a lot of practice, and then when it launches to everyone else you'll be the the ninja who knows all the tricks.
0: This is true. This is true. You can be ahead of the curve and ready to go. Um, but if you want
1: everyone else to, to work all the bugs out for you and you want to wait, that's totally fine too.
0: Um, no judgment. Well, waiting is okay. There's no urgency. <laughs> I know, people want it. Well, it's like there, there was a point where it, sometimes there were features that were really missing and people were desperate to have, and you'd install a beta in order to, you know, make your life better. Now the teachers are, tend to be so sort of tweaky and small or just like, here's a new thing that didn't exist before, but it's not going to change your life. Like incremental improvement, there's less, um, you know, of this compulsion – at the same time, because it's incremental, things are less likely to break and it's less of a deal. But I don't know. If you want to have a working device, don't use a public beta because you can't be sure that it will continue to work. That's the only thing to worry about. Uh, and I think that brings us to the end of another Macworld podcast.
1: Yay. Yay.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is, uh, we're talking with uh, my regular co-host, Susie Oaks, executive editor of Macworld. Thanks, Susie.
1: Thank you. Always a pleasure.
0: And I have been and remain Glenn Fleischman, a contributing, a senior contributor rather, at Macworld. And this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 516 for July 13th, 2016. As I stated at the beginning, you can reach us podcast at Macworld.com. Send us your feedback and your your wisdom. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Glen F, G-L-E-N-N-F, like Frank, or at SF sues S-F. S double O Z like Z uh, and uh, reach us out to us there and uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back next week.